Welcome, welcome coaches, teachers, parents, and medical professionals. You are listening to Larissa Mills and my podcast, At The Table. I am the founder of iParentGen.com. And today and every day, we are going to discuss how families and schools are managing technology and raising children and teaching them. We are also going to listen to how technology is impacting athletes and their level of sport. So let's get to it. Stay tuned and please call in with your questions or join us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. But parents, you are not alone. There are courses, articles, and videos on my website. Please sign up for free. So let's get listening. Hi there and welcome Nicole Ross and how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, my other queen of screen colleague. Yes, that's what I, I call anybody who's like queen of teens, queen of screens. I, I kind of with that. Well, Nicole is from San Diego and she has started a clinic, the Screen Time Clinic. And I'm going to welcome her to the table today. And I'm so grateful that you're fitting me in. And I'm honored to be chatting with you because I really feel that it's nice to be able to actually talk to someone who has the same vision and experiences and who is actually observing the same things. Right, right. With the children. Yes. With the children. Uh, we can so, collaborate. Yes. Power and power and women, right? Exactly. Right. So Nicole is a lifelong advocate of education. Um, she has taught in five different states, mostly featured in PBS for her literacy work and with San Diego Unified in 2018. She is currently licensing uh, credentialed in California. And I really adore her as she's the little uh, author of the new children's book, Screen Smart Sam. Very well illustrated, by the way. Really like the little, <laughs> oh, right? Good. So Nicole has firsthand um, positive impact uh, with uh, parental develop- involvement and has a, the academic achievement efforts in schools. When they are well-rested and focused on the right things at home, everyone seems to do well, you find. But when you find screens are involved, things are changing. Yes. So what are changing. you finding and observing with all of your background in education and, and what you've been observing, observing as a mom and in, with parents, what are you observing right now, Nicole? Well, from the teacher aspect, and I have so many teacher peers, luckily, from my years teaching, mm-hmm. they, we have all really seen just the deterioration of um, academic stamina in these children. Yes. Um, they're coming to school. They're not well-rested. They're distracted, either distracted by the thought of screens or they're physically distracted by a phone buzzing in their pocket, even when they're really, really young. Mm -hmm. So um, I've seen it with my own children. I've seen it in the classroom. And that's really what made me step back a few years ago from teaching to undertake this project and really go at it from a parent support level and try to wake you know, parents up. I know they know that things need to change. It's just really hard making change on your own. So I wanted to create a support system different than traditional counseling that just specialized in um, screen dependency and helping parents make the change and empower them to really transform their family. Well, our topic today that we've chosen, we had to choose from, I think it was three or four ideas, right? Yep. So Today, we're going to talk about why being a child and teen's guide is more important than being their friend. And 
I have been seeing this for over 20 years, actually. And in the last 10 years specifically, I think, Nicole, I have seen it drop right off and just become friends. Yes. Right? Well, Do you agree to that or not? I agree. I agree. And technology makes it very difficult for parents to parent because kids are turning into these little online gangsters and think that they know everything and that their way is the best way and that their friends have phones, their friends are gaming. This is, this is what I need. This is makes me happy. You know, all those things that children tell their parents and the parents have been bamboozled to believe them. Right. And it's, it's not just, that aspect too it's the addiction component and the psychological change in their behavior yes yes right so how how they how they go to bed determines how they're going to wake up and if they're going to bed at 3 a.m and they're only getting what if you have to go to set school by seven they're only getting four hours sleep if they're gaming with some guy in in china with a game playing what is it call of duty (laughs) yep Yep. they only get now they go to school for the six hours and then they want to perform at football, hockey, volleyball. They or even perform. if they just want to sit in class and pay attendant, uh, uh, attention. Yeah. Um, the big thing from my new book that I wrote, um, the teachers are coming back and saying, this is a great book for attendance awareness. And that's actually a term that is pretty new, mm-hmm. but it's a major thing now having children be ready, prepared, and alert Alert. when they attend school. And it's such a problem that we even have to teach about attendance awareness. But um, yeah, my new book hopefully will educate parents at a very early age why they should be taking taking steps to prevent these screen dependency problems because it really sneaks up. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that specific point up because it takes 30 days, 30 days of hard, arduous, consistent parenting to reduce a bad habit. Yes. So if your child becomes addicted to phones or addicted gaming or social media, could be all three, then it's going to take you that long to change a habit. Yes. And um, yeah, I have like a detox course that does it. Some kids, because parents are on it, can be detoxed in like a week, right? Mm-hmm. But then they have to stick with it. <laughs> but parents have to be consistent mm-hmm. and stick with that. Now, I wanted to talk about, um, and I think we're really seeing a difference in parenting. We know there's all different types of parenting, but specifically, how can parents not be their friend? And why is it important for them to be their guide? Do you want to elaborate well, on that? Sure. So an important part of childhood is overcoming challenges. And when children don't have any challenges to overcome, there's no rite of passage, there's no real growth, that they're stuck in this stagnant game playing social media, a very, you know, up and down. It's just like they're flatlined, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, so when they don't have any real coming of age struggles, then they're not growing into the humans that they should be and having the powers as adults that they need all the tools when they are young adults. And some of this coming of age struggles 
actually comes from your parents parenting and saying no and taking away things and doing unpopular decisions and the children's struggle to deal with that, overcoming it and making the best of the situation thereafter. Those are coming of age struggles. A coming of age struggle is not winning World of Warcraft or building the best box in Minecraft. Minecraft. So, <laughs> it's right on that one. <laughs> it's like, yes. Oh. Yeah. So really parents think that they're doing their children by, right yeah. by their children by allowing them to quote unquote, be happy and be immersed in their comfort zone. Right. But they're really handicapping them for their future um, sense of self. Self identity is crucial. And it's funny because what you're really talking about in psychology is resilience mm -hmm. and self-talk. So if we're taking away their self-talk and we're taking their ability to learn, let's say what sadness is, what happiness is, what anger is, what jealousy is, no one's talking about these emotions to kids anymore. So then right. when they come into the institutions of let's say sports, arts, dramatics, um, athletics, whatever that is, they can't cope with jealousy. They can't cope with who butt in line and ahead right. of me. They can't right. cope and they don't have the servicing defensive mechanisms or modulation mechanisms like, um, for instance, okay, I'm going to ignore what she just did and pretend it didn't happen because I know that she butt in line, but that's okay with me. That is a whole other level of learning that right. they have to learn by what grade one and they have to recognize that and say to themselves, oh, I, I can't bud. But right. the impulsivity aspect, if they haven't passed through the reasonable stage, they'll just push them over. <laughs> yes. Kids like, yes. <laughs> beeline it. For yes. And that's, that's well documented in, uh, particularly in gaming. You know, the parents are saying, oh, but gaming, it's improving their skills. His eye-hand coordination is really yeah. developing and he's very good at it. But the only thing that they're learning are these um, impulse reactions. So instead of, you know, when something happens, like cutting into line or bumping into a person, they have a really severe over overreaction to the situation rather than knowing that you have to take a second, read someone's face, see if it was a malicious intent, and then make a split decision based on what you're seeing and what you're reading rather than that quick reaction time that they're learning at, usually to respond with some sort of violent behavior. So yeah, all these little things that we've always taken for granted, man, they are just really, really eroding these days without it's, parental it's funny guidance. You say that because to touch on impulsivity, I think is important because phones feed off of impulsivity. Yes. The way they're designed, the way they are designed to work. I mean, we can touch, I don't know, let's just say, for example, I want to go shopping. Okay. I'm going to go over here to this app and I'm going to like, I want it to be instant. Everything that we do now is instant. And I think majority of the people under 35, I'm finding they're more impatient. They can't wait in lines. They can't just be without their phone. They have, mm -hmm. if they have a moment to themselves, I kind of almost just want to sleep when I get a moment to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a learned skill. And even children not being in school this whole year, believe it or not, but just you a lot longer than us. Yeah. We've been in school for almost 
half a year, I think. But yeah, you guys are probably not. Are you in school? Nope. Not yet. California. Gotta love it. Mm-hmm. No school. No vaccinations for people like me. So yeah. Anyway, How long, do you think the children are doing well or no? No, Jen. No, I mean, we're primarily concerned about low income children because yeah. they're being left alone because parents do need to work and there are a lot of the essential working so jobs and they have multiple jobs. Um, but it's even affecting the all children because they're not learning these human yeah. behaviors that, you know, you're not just going to school to learn arithmetic and English. When I was an English teacher, all the kids would say, oh, I already know how to do this. I've been take, taking English for five years. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about knowing everything. It's about being able to follow directions, going through the process, sitting in your seat, even when Problem you're bored solving. and acting Problem like you're paying attention. Even, you know, the, the acting skills, those are self-awareness that, you know, it's not okay right. just to put down your head or walk yeah. out whenever you want. Um, but the, they're learning those type of skills at home now just, and, right. and it's really a bad habit. Now, in this day and age, you and I have talked about, I think not on here, but before we talked about the different parenting styles. And today we're focusing on why it's important, you know, to be the child's guide instead of the child's friend. What do you believe happens if we're more of our child's friend? Well, the worst case, they'll live with you forever. And, um, you know, I don't, (laughs) yeah, I don't think most adults, (laughs) there are certain parents that, you know, they, they are lonely and they want their children with them. But, um, Mm -hmm. most most reasonable people realize that your job as a parent is to create independent, self-sufficient humans that contribute in a positive way to the world. Right. So if you're focused on that alone, just, um, you know, what are you doing to make this person independent every single day? And by being a permissive, friendly parent, you're just teaching them that they can do whatever they want and they can call the shots and they have no accountability for different opinions, different decisions. Um, And they certainly, you know, are not their brain's best friend either. I like that quote. No, No. and I find that if you're going to be your child's good friend, then I find that those parents tend to purchase a lot of material items or children are not being um, explained why it's important to save your money. Let's go and buy something instead. No, no, no. Oh, you want this? They all have it at school. Okay. I'll get you one. Yes. And we really are not a good society to go without. Right. Like I did one year where I bought no clothes Mm -hmm. and I wanted the kids to see what that was like. And I actually had no problem with it. Well, and the permissive parenting, you're making them dependent on you. Whether So even if they don't live at home, they're always going to be asking you for things and needing you for things because they can't think on their own and they're not able to be this self-sufficient and supporting others type of person. And that's happening more and more and more. It's a real thing. And I... You know, I don't know if there needs to be more shock value behind what we're talking about and really expose 
all of these incidents and parents start being honest with one another. And See, that's where staying. documentaries come in handy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're going to, yeah, we're working on that. But it's yeah. also, if we are their friend, we're taking away their whole other, as you're saying, their rite of passage to become their own adult. Yes. And her goal ultimately is to raise a very productive human who can go out there and fend for themselves, defend themselves, take, make their own decisions. And part of that actually I'm finding is not happening because self-talk is the key to that. Mm -hmm. we, you, can learn, you can teach a baby to self-talk, but we're finding now moms barely talk to their babies in our research yeah. while they're feeding a baby. Like I used to sing songs, nursery rhymes, yeah. um, talk. I would listen because one baby had a, like a distinctive burp I'm going to throw up. And I didn't really want to get that everywhere. And yeah. the other baby would have a distinctive like coo when they were done. And now I find what we're seeing is the moms are just on their phones and the babies Definitely. are just staring at the phones Definitely. and messing with the sleep cycle. Yes. And okay. it affects literacy too, because when you're not reading books to them, right. speaking in different, you know, repeating things, songs are great because they use different language than and what rhythm. you would use conversationally. You know, you want children to hear a lot of different words when they're um, developing. So being distracted for parents by their phones yeah. or allowing very young children to be distracted in strollers, not to be I, uncomfortable yeah, I see it everywhere. Like dinner. they're not talking to each other in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I used to like talk. I still do. My kids, they tell us everything. Mm -hmm. And if you stop talking to them, guess what? They're not going to talk to you when the sh goes down, right? Right. Um, so-and-so has a friend. He thinks he's gay. What should I do? And that's the real, that's the real friendship in parenting. So it's, right, it's a right. myth that you cannot be a, a, um, a strong, non-permissive parent and still be loving and friendly and have a level of friendship or trust with them. You do not need to be their friend and take that position, but it's, but it's definitely possible. Right. I think, I think it's a balance. It's, it's definitely a balance. We have to maintain our consistency, our expectations. And yeah, like I have bags under my eyes. I'm tired. Parenting is yep. tough. But I think <laughs> the hard work, the hard work I did when they were younger, foundations, building, self-talk, communication. We can tell each other anything and ask any question at any time. And there's a little box you don't want to ask in front of your, your sibling. You know, you put it yep. in the box. Yep. Right? But that whole foundation that so many parents lay when the children are younger totally gets destroyed when they hand over an iPhone or they allow gaming to happen. Yeah. So I really encourage the younger parents listening right now that if you consider yourself a proactive parent and if you are taking steps, doing everything you can for your baby and your toddler, your elementary schooler to have a well-rounded life 
then certainly following that up with an extremely limited screen allowance will support all your parenting efforts while they were young and you're playing with them Mm -hmm. rather than letting it all go out the window and be destroyed when they're older because it's that transition from playtime and being their play buddy when they are little and toddlers Mm -hmm. to now being the pillar of what's right and what's wrong and transitioning to the guide. And it's interesting you touch on that, Nicole, because we are worse researching schools like Scandinavian schools, like Finnish schools. So Finland, Finland, interesting enough, does not focus on math or English till grade two. Mm-hmm. They, they want the kids to play, love books, talk, yep. dress up, be imaginative, um, be artistic. Yes. And what I'm seeing is, so they, so what they do is, so, they catch up to us, even though we've pounded the kids, they can read within six months, actually. Exactly. Exactly. Right? It doesn't matter if it's in grade JK or three. And no. hardly, there's almost 40% of kids that aren't ready to read until grade three anyway. Yeah. Or grade two. And sometimes reading for boys comes when puberty starts too. And that a little thing kicks off in their brain in middle school. So I have parents literally telling me that baby Einstein And some of these online programs have taught their child to read and write and that technology is good for them. And that's such a falsity. I would really like, you know, all the parents listening to know that, that that is one of the biggest parenting myths that's really damaging the school and how children behave in school. Just get rid of the screens and they will learn when the time comes to learn. Yeah, there are now schools that are listening to the research and mm-hmm. changing their methodologies. So instead of always having their kids on a laptop, actually a lot of schools are going back to pen and paper and binders. Yes. Yep. And mm-hmm. I found that when I experimented with some of my classes, I took all the screens out and I tell you the kids were relieved. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were happy. They, they were need that guidance. Happy. They, we, we looked at like these big World War II scrapbooks and they loved them. They're like, oh, did you see this guy? Did you see his gun? <laughs> like, yeah. did, you, did, you, yeah. did you see this? Did you see what they ate? They could only eat butter. Yeah. And it was just, they started talking. And you know what? My classes were the loudest in the school. Yep. But they were, but they were collaborating. They were they working were with each other. And they were writing. And then when I found that I, I brought the tech back in, Guess what happened? Distraction. They went on on Fortnite. They tried to get on and gamble. They tried to get on. And I'm like, it was just the distraction. And I think that there are ways in which we can change technology to work in our favor in a classroom. But to having them constantly sit at a screen, A, is not good. I think writing should still be writing pen and paper for a long time until it's really developed. And then like have drafts of essays and then the final handed in and that's fine. But we're, we're all online. And and 10 years ago we thought, okay, let's buy all this technology up, but we didn't know how it would impact the atmosphere and their mental health in the classrooms. And now we have a chance to ban phones. Personal devices have absolutely no place in a school, none. And, And parents bring up the excuse uh, well, I want to be able to get in touch with my child. I said, did you know that if your child is on their phone in an emergency, it, it actually could harm them? 
because yeah. they're not paying attention to me yeah. in, in an emergency. Well, and, you know, the, the, the likelihood that a real emergency is going to occur is not very high. Point zero, 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 one. Yes. And so now you're parenting from a fear factor and you're teaching fear over responsibility, which yeah. is another uh, parenting falsity. Yeah. So it's just, it's so important. This is why it, um, schools are so, their hands are tied because even when they make the rules, the parents are still breaking them. And so it's really and what imperative. what is that teaching our that, children? Yes, yes, yes. They, they're sending them to school with went, the phones. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, because you and I went to school for how many years? We have our degrees, multiple. And we know that what is best for the children is actually not to be tethered to a parent. Mm -hmm. It's actually to get that independence and to be away from the parent and be accountable all day for myself, my behavior, my accountability, my regulation. And instead, now we're like, oh, how was your math test? Right. Um, no. Oh, did you get bullied at recess? Right. And you're actually, so Dr. Cheever who studies cell phone notifications say that kids who have cell phones at school, their heart rates can go to 180, 160. And by the end of the day, these kids are crashing because it's like running for four hours. Yeah. And they're totally distracted emotionally and logistically all day long, all day long. And, um, and they're not, yeah. And it's, and it goes back to parenting. This is a parenting issue. problem that is affecting our education system and, Mm -hmm. you know, now, I have one, one question. I, I want to squeeze it in. Yep. Um, we, I don't know if you, we've, we've talked about it, but um, I've been doing a lot of reading on this new type of parent. So it's the servicing out parent, Nicole. So this type of parent tends to think they're busy and their life is better when they're shuffling their kids around to all these different services and all these different um, activities like choir, then they take them to tutors, they, they take them to therapy. But when we speak to psychologists, the psychologists are saying that, well, where's the bonding time with your child? You're taking them everywhere. Mm -hmm. But are you close with your child? Do you put that time in behind the, you know, in homes to play games, president, card games? What are you doing to be close with your child? Because you can take them everywhere, but you're mm -hmm. never going to have that closeness or they're never going to have the bond of security and attachment, which is the biggest thing right now we're noticing is that sure. bond is missing in grade uh, eight, sorry, eight to 10 years old. And psychotherapists are saying that unless parents are, are spending time with their children at home and giving them routines, the servicing out parent actually is causing their children to be dysfunctional and will not function in society. So what are your feelings on that type of parent? Well, that's totally true. And a lot of times the parents just don't know any better. So, um, and, and the counseling and the therapy that they're having them in, they don't speak up and say, you know, you need to take the screens away. You need to be parenting differently. Therapists are in business to stay in business too. They're not going to say anything offensive to their own clients. They want them coming back and it's 
you know, this is why therapy sometimes takes a very long time because you're subtly trying to get the message of change across. And, you know, technology erodes this opportunity for parents to connect when they're shuffling kids around because the kids are plugged into their ear pods or they're on their phones. I mean, traditionally that sort of time is so essential to parent child bonding when you're in a car and you do have time to talk about things. So it's not necessarily maybe the shuffling that's a problem. It's what they're shuffling to because a busy schedule is a good one. Yeah. Um, and you know, bless them for being active. (laughs) Say that again. So do you want to hear my startling statistic? Yes. Tell me. Okay. You ready? So based on the American uh, Pediatric Association and the Canadian Pediatric Association, the average child is on a phone anywhere now between four and eight hours a day. And a parent is on their phone for five to six hours a day, which I don't know how a parent can do that. Like with all the stuff I do and work and be- And I bet that's a pretty old statistic. I don't think that's a recent statistic. I think it's 10 10 hours. That is pre-COVID. Yeah. Now, yeah. if we add those numbers up, it is um, over 18,000 hours that families are not spending together. They're doing it alone. Yes. In isolation. Yes. And it's 18,000 hours by the age of 18. So yeah. I think I divided that by days or something. And I got like, it was like m- a month that you spend part or more. And yeah. there's no socialization, no movement, no bonding. No um, connecting, no psychological development. So we're actually creating children who are below standards now. Definitely, definitely. It shows. It shows in our academic standings. Um, Are you privy to the statistics in your state? Yes. Like, is it public record that you can see the statistics are lowering? On our rankings? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those those are all written about rankings just in America in general, that over the last 20 years, we've gone from number one to number 30. And it's directly related back, even though we've spent the highest amount invested in technology in schools Mm -hmm. and paid teachers more, more teacher training, lower class sizes, it's still directly related back to the parenting style that has changed from um, the um right i know what you mean now when we were talking about the parenting styles we're still seeing the helicopter parent we're still seeing the bulldozer parent we're still seeing we're seeing the neglectful parent and we're seeing what we're talking about today um we can't be their friend parent right the permissive parent right so Mm -hmm. in synopsis i was wondering nicole i have a couple of points here that i'm thinking i was wondering if you could tell me if you agree with them okay so so parents can take this these tips to home and try and see if they can implement them at home okay you tell me if i'm wrong okay so (laughs) um so the first thing is i think that resonated from what you said and the evidence was that we need to let children experience different feelings of failure mm-hmm. and rites of passage. Mm-hmm. We can't bulldoze in front of them and protect them. That's actually not protecting them. It's actually making them more vulnerable. Is that what you? Correct. Yep. Okay. Number two, 
you said that younger children require almost triple the amount of playtime and thinking time and interaction time than older children. And that is specifically linked to their psychological development, especially bond of security attachment and their social skills, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so, so when the, again, prolonging phone use. Yep. Right, that's basically what we're... The time, little bit of time in front of screens when they're little really adds up. Yeah, and the third one that I'm kind of blending together is that parents have to be consistent at home and they have to spend time with their child. Yep. Is that what you, is there anything else you want to add? Absolutely. No, that consistently tough parenting, you know, will create these coming of age hurdles that children will have to grow and they'll have to choose different paths if gaming and social media and the constant flat line of technology isn't available to them. Um, and right. the bonding, the yeah. bonding will happen. You take technology away and that bonding. And they want to come out and talk. Yeah. Like I can't get one of my kids to be quiet. It's awful. <laughs> he, tells them, <laughs> he tells the most horrible jokes. It's so bad. And he's older, right? So it's like, buddy, you can't say that around your buddy. Your brother. <laughs> I'm like, slow down. <laughs> but, um, but can you share with everybody um, where you are, how to get in touch with you, how that you work with parents? Sure, sure. Yeah. So Screen Time Clinic is based in San Diego, but we have a network of coaches um, nationwide in America right now that are Not willing to Canada. help parents. Yes, <laughs> so far. Maybe we'll, we'll be expanding. Yes, right here. But, <laughs> but we're here to help formulate a plan based on family values to guide you past that one week or 30 day detox or create, you know, and help with the 30 day or one week detox. So, you know, the information is so good out there. And Larissa, you have a lot of great material, but um, you need support from someone that's a neutral third party and friends aren't really the source to usually get it from friends parenting friends usually have their own problems yeah. parenting and politics talk don't usually mix so to have a professional <laughs> that is specific to helping you reach yeah. your screen time goals is really a powerful investment yeah and i am so happy that you're out there doing that because there's only a very few in North America and there's no one here in Canada, right? Yeah. Well, it's catching on. <laughs> Maybe me. Maybe you'll add me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are affiliated officially. Yay. Um, <laughs> so uh, you're going to come back and we're going to do another one, right? Great. I'd love to. This is okay, well, really. Thank you so much. Bye.